Every day of our lives is spent in the built environment. We live in homes and apartments, drive on roads, get gas from pipelines, go to work in buildings, make purchases in stores and restaurants. We rely on factories, plants, doctor's offices, and hospitals for our basic human needs. And while our world continues to shift and grow and change, the development and delivery of the built environment has fallen dramatically behind. Welcome to The Built Revolution. We're here to engage the leaders, visionaries, and innovators who are revolutionizing the built environment. This podcast is brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group and the Construction Industry Institute. Hello, this is Mona Hagak. I'm a partner with Continuum Advisory Group, and today we're very excited to be focusing on a Construction Industry Institute research study entitled Virtual Construction VR-Enabled Project Delivery. VR and augmented reality, also known as AR, are tools that can visualize high-risk construction work zones. This research developed a process that converts BIM models into VR and AR to reduce the safety hazard of exposure of craft professionals. Today, we are joined by the experts on this research team who have volunteered their time to come in and and give us the the highlights and the nuggets that were particularly interesting from their presentation and really tell us a story, but not only do so, but also educate us. Um, So I'm Fernanda Lechi. I'm an associate professor at the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, Daniel Gibson, Black & Beach, business process improvement and technology specialist. Todd Sutton, I'm senior manager of construction technology for Zachary Corporation. Uh, Max Eklund, I'm a construction visualization manager and a Fluor Fellow for Construction Automation. Clark Ellis, I'm a principal with Continuum Advisory Group. Kelsey Henderson, president of Continuum Advisory Group. So I'll go ahead and I'll give this over to Professor Fernanda Leche, and she'll tell us a little bit more about the impetus behind this research study. Um, Hi, thank you for having us uh, here today. I'm Fernanda Lechi. I'm an associate professor at the University of Texas at Austin. Um, And I was a principal investigator of this research team. And the idea behind this uh, VR study actually came from the technology committee. This is the first research team after the merger of of FIATEC into CII. So it's pretty exciting to to actually finalize this team and present it at the annual conference this year. And so the idea behind it was there are lots of companies that are using VR, AR, mixed reality, but we wanted to actually share that knowledge with companies that are that are wishing to um, get into this game, um, and that way they can uh, they can look at examples of what what the leading companies are doing, and we can also compile uh, processes that they can follow to be able to get into. Um, VR, um, start implementing VR in their organizations. Um, So we started the presentation actually with a little bit of background, you know, talking about um, how VR actually started from the gaming environment, and that led to improvements in hardware and software. And then this whole area, the second wave of VR through serious applications, which came from uh, medical, uh, the medical field, uh, military training, and we, we're seeing it a lot in the construction industry as well. Um, we also looked at different types of, of, of applications, not just virtual reality, but augmented reality and mixed reality. Um, so virtual reality, it's you're fully immersed in that virtual world, um, isolated from the real world environment. And in augmented reality, you're overlaying that virtual environment on uh, the real world, but it's just based on a location setting. So like Pokemon Go, that you see the little Pokemon uh, placed in in, uh, in that uh, real world. 
Um, mixed reality, I would say it's, it's the next uh, gen of augmented reality in which the virtual world understand, understands the, the, the uh, real world and you can actually measure things and place things on top of a table and it actually understands that it's sitting on top of a table. So it's a much smarter um, way of, of actually overlaying the virtual world on top of, of, of the real world. And so we did uh, see two companies that uh, developed, that shared demos at the annual conference. Um, but we have here today three companies that uh, are going to talk about how they're using virtual, augmented, and mixed reality indoor organizations. Absolutely. So, uh, Daniel, during your presentation, you, you actually showed us a visual of how you enacted this. Um, so I'd like to hear more about your work and, and what brought this about and what you did. So Daniel Gibson with uh, Black and Beach. Um, the idea actually came from, we were doing an Ignite, um, it's like a spark initiative within the company that said, hey, if you have a good idea, uh, bring it to the table, uh, we'll review it. And if we can get funding for it, we'll do some funding for it. Well, this actually started off with just a, a VR welding helmet. You can see like today, um, all these welding companies do have one already. So we were like, okay, let's pivot. Let's go ask somebody about um, a particular process they're having trouble with out in the field. So I was like, hey, let's just go ask one of the uh, field guys. So we go out there and he's like, man, we're having a trouble. We're ha really having trouble with um, getting communication between um, field designed, field installed, um, pipe, small bore piping and conduit routing on the field. And we just need to find out a better way to communicate that instead of having to go pay the cost of a design guy coming to the field, taking pictures, doing measurements where the general foreman, in a sense, saying, I can do a lot better job than that engineer anyways, because I'm the one who has to install it. And we took that idea and ran with it. It's like, man, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's, uh, let's build an app. And then I said, you know what was better than that? Uh, let's put it in the game engine. You know, <laughs> let's just shove it in the game, because everything yeah. I do, I shove it into a game engine. Um, cause you can my, tell he's a gamer. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> he's a one thing plus is, year old gamer. Yeah. <laughs> so he just knew. So it was, it's one of those, because I had come from a unique background, right? right. I, I came from the construction side, but during that construction, um, going through and learning how things work and build stuff. I'm also, my background's um, computer science, right? And construction management. So also, but my emphasis was on game development, okay. right? So on the side, I was doing game development and then I was like, you know what? We can do so much with uh, game engines. So then I was like, let's just take a cell phone and then put this um, app in it and see what happens. And then sure enough, it went from first, just being able to display the virtual content within the physical space, right? right? And then from there, uh, we were like, well, okay, that kind of helps us. But the, the request was, let's uh, have them create the content, right? So we can do normal BIM stuff, right? And we can display information. We can click on components. We can visualize it. But then that really doesn't help them create content. So then we went, okay, well, what can we do with the, the space? Well, we decided to make a measuring tape. So it was step by step. Right. So we're showing how we can visualize virtual content to the physical world. And then from there, I was like, well, if I know how to do that, I can just create anything. And all of a sudden, from there, we just, I decided to, well, let's just add objects in there and see what happens. And then we captured it. And then from there, we said, hey, let's take this uh, this app, you know, what's in this game engine, which made it really portable and lightweight. That right. was the main thing. And we wanted to make it available for um, any device. We wanted it to be device agnostic. So right. like an iPhone or yeah, Android correct. phone, Samsung. Yeah, and that was made it uh, suitable. That's why we uh, said, hey, let's use a game engine because then you can make right. it device agnostic. You know, I push it to Android, I can push it to iOS, I can push it to a Windows right. device. 
I don't know how many people have a Windows device out in the field, <laughs> but if they had a Surface, yes, they could do it. Right. Okay. So, um, uh, and that's what brought up the idea of that. And then all of a sudden, uh, I just put hands of keys, and then boom, next thing I know, it worked. And I was like, hey, let's make it intuitive, too, because a lot of the field guys um, want to make it where it's just one button, two buttons here, and then boom, go to town. What so, happened when, when that story that you told about the field uh, people that actually played with the, the So they were the big influence on the design of it. So um, the general foreman, we went out there and said, hey, here's this app based off of what you guys were talking about. And he goes, all right, let me see it. So I hand him this phone and said, hey, here, here's the app. And just like any other person, he knows how to operate a phone, boom, clicks on the app. He goes... I didn't even have to really show him anything. He just said, oh, hey, look, run AR app, boom. Oh, run pipe, boom. And he just went to town doing everything. And so they took off. They went out in the field, you know. Uh, I wasn't there present when it did it. But I had another guy that was with me. Uh, he went to the field with all my devices and stuff. Uh, he's the one who actually does all the field testing. And then he came back and he told me the response. And I was like, so what was the feedback? And Ben goes, man, it's crazy. He goes, the, the general foreman came back to the office, and he goes, they'd been gone for a long time, like an hour or something. Finally came back. He was showing it to his craftsman, and he was like, man, when can I get this app? He's like, man, this is amazing. He goes, when can we get this app on these devices? He goes, I have a phone you know, similar to this yeah. app. He goes, I, I can install it right now. Man, I don't need a dang engineer coming to tell me how to design this. He goes, I know where it needs to run, and I can just send it to him and tell him to leave me alone. I was like, holy cow, man, that is amazing. We got and the, the response was just phenomenal, you know, and also being able to capture um, just the physical environment itself, because right. that really helps not only uh, the foreman, general foreman are like, yeah, that's nice. That gives them a good idea if they needed to scan a wall or an object and then push that back to design. It helps them understand um, the physical geometry of it okay. and also helps communicate what they're getting ready to install in a physical location. Okay. Sometimes pictures help, but sometimes you don't understand the depth of that picture. Right. And by you, by a, being able to um, scan those objects, you have depth with it. And since it's real-time depth, when you measure from point A to point B, you know you're getting real-time measurements with that. So therefore, they can take that and put the virtual objects next to it and see what the comparisons are and then redo their design and send it back really fast. So are you walking around, let's say, a pressure vessel or some other, uh, you know, object that you want to scan are you just walking around with your cell phone scanning? yeah you're just walking around that's all you okay. do you're just, and it just picks up it's just like uh we call it time of flight right actually time of flight is just a it's a camera right right time of flight camera which is just uh, an ir it just shoots back you're creating point cloud just little points of information about it and then you just um basically triangulating it all putting it packing it together sending it out and it's very consumable by the um um, any CAD software out there, okay. right? So it's really easy to package and send off. Okay, excellent. So what Dan is describing is a really great example of empowering our workforce. And I think that's key with any of these technologies, virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality. It's how can we actually give them the power to design, yes. to implement things and, and push, push the industry forward. And that also helps recruit young generation uh, train them more efficiently and retain them. Uh, we actually measure that through user tests in, in two scenarios, design review and advanced work packaging. Yes. And in the design review, we saw significant improvements in terms of user performance. So they actually, actually uh, find more design errors 
in uh, the immersive virtual reality, so using the head-mounted display as compared to just looking at the same exact model, but in a 2D uh, display, so in a desktop. Uh, same model, same base model, you actually find more, more errors. And that's both for novices and for experts. For novices, the difference was, was even grander, and that tells us that we can use that technology to get our young uh, hires, our, our recent hires, up to speed a lot quicker. Um, and, and get them um, performing those design review tasks in a much more effective manner. Absolutely. I found that information very interesting as we try to meet uh, short-term work demands and we have a constrained workforce. How do you get somebody up to speed and capable? But I also found it interesting that the experts in, in advanced work patching, for example, uh, it went from something uh, like 6.3 all the way down to, was it 3.5 mm -hmm. or 3.6? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was almost half. So, so they, uh, that shows us that, uh, that, that contextual information that you have in that VR environment by being in that very meaningful um, interactive environment, you actually are able to sequence your installation work packages uh, in, in a much more effective manner. Um, and experts perform better than novices for that use case because advanced work packaging actually takes experiential knowledge to understand how those sequences work. Uh, so we saw that uh, that use case actually benefit experts more than it did novices because they did have that that experiential knowledge in advanced work packaging. That's fascinating. So really everybody in that particular context benefited from the, the virtual reality, the immersive environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's very interesting. So I, uh, I know Todd, you talked a little bit about uh, virtual reality for design review. So mm -hmm. definitely like to hear a little bit more about what 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 motivated that project. Right. Why were you drawn to it at Zachary, and okay. and how you saw results from it? Right. So one of the issues we had that wasn't even resulting from VR initially um, is just the turnaround time on some of the RFIs, for example, the communication with the architect in general. Um, and this could be RFIs or submittals, but the RFI workflow on a couple of the jobs, especially on some of the detailed, complicated um, RFIs that was that really became more of a back and forth conversation, um, they would be drawn out and get, it took longer to get those resolutions. So it could be something that should be able to do in just a few hours. It took, you know, sometimes two weeks uh, to get an answer back. Um, and so that's frustrating, and, and, yeah. you know, so I was trying to come up with a better way. Just so happens on one of our projects, um, Overland Partners, one of the architects that we work with, they were implementing VR. I already had a VR system, and so we put them together, you know, um, kind of like taking chocolate peanut butter and get a Reese's butter peanut butter cup. Pretty, pretty <laughs> delicious yummy. dessert from what right. I've so. <laughs> so, but it's just, it's, it just worked, you know, yeah. and... And the fact that we could actually get the results a lot faster. So these complicated type things that would, would be complicated when you're in the VR space. And that's one thing to point out in the VR space, instead of looking at a scaled model or a scaled drawing, for example, um, you're looking at it at one to one scale. So it's immersive. You see everything and then you can position yourself within the model to be able to point out and show um, different perspectives. So you can actually look under a piece of equipment or look at, you know, where you have those issues and try to get, uh, define the problem and get a resolution while you're in the VR space. So it sounds like it's, it compressed the time that you spent yes. on that activity. Yes. What kind of result did you see? Was it three quarters um, of the time, half the time? Yeah. I, well, in this particular, on this particular project that was working together, 
um, I think it just became it became commonplace that we would just do it. Yeah. Um, in some cases, it resulted in less physical RFIs, ah. so you didn't have to go through that paper process uh, uh, to get uh, and we just get the updated drawings or whatever from that. So, uh, but it was much faster response, and it just became the way we do business. So it's you know just having communication, get into the VR space. So uh, and uh, unfortunately, it's, it's mainly with this one particular architect because they're progressive, we're progressive, and we definitely, uh, it, it just, I think it's, that, that's kind of why I kind of ended up in this research project because I said, everybody's got to do this. Right. It just can't be a couple of companies doing this in the industry. If everybody's doing it, it just becomes the way we do things. Absolutely. So. So Max, I'd really like to hear a little bit more about how you've used VR for safety training. You did an excellent video during the presentation. Uh, if you could walk us through, again, part of the business case for doing it, and then some of the results that you've seen from it, I think it'd be extremely valuable. Sure, sure. So with a lot of these uh, new emerging technologies, uh, we're trying to find kind of an owner, a reason why we want to implement that. So with construction, and especially with tour, uh, safety is one of our core values. So we really review what can safety benefit from use of virtual reality. So with safety, we're on these projects, you know, global projects around the world, huge projects, small projects, but some of these are a lot of at-risk activities. So we're really able to use a controlled environment to walk through scenarios on, you know, safety scenarios. So we have, we chose, and we have two scenarios. Um, basically, Fluor has a program called Life Critical. And Life Critical highlights nine areas of focus around um, you know, severity or risk areas. So we created and focused on two of our main areas, which is uh, working at heights and working around heavy machinery. So working at heights, there's tying off, there's a risk of falling, um, risk of getting the hit in the head from falling objects. So we're really able to create these scenarios and walk through a user through some of these activities. So we actually want them to jump off. We want them to get uh, hit in the head to something so they understand the steps that led to it, so they now they understand what to do to avoid that. So through these situations, we're able to walk through all these various scenarios and completely safety-minded and have them get exposed to that. And especially with environments like working at heights, a lot of these, uh, we go through training through um, um, craft uh, training. So new potential worker, you know, future craft workers haven't been exposed to the business, don't really understand what it's like to really work in these large environments. So not only working at height, but the sounds and the noises and all these activities. And you're not just the one person at the site, there's so many different stuff. So we're able to simulate these activities and expose these people to understand what it's like. So working at heights, they may, first time to go to a project, maybe the first time to actually go in there, through the simulations, they get exposed multiple times and they get comfortable with that situation, especially with these large equipments as well, is it is dangerous out in these project sites. So you have all you know cranes moving and trucks moving and holes everywhere, really go, able to go in and simulate these environments. So it's that initial exposure. And then from that training, we understand what is important, what do these people look like or look for at the project sites and tailor these trainings to meet those, those specific needs. So are you using a virtual reality headset for the trainees? Is that how they're mapping through the experience? Yes. So it's so, just like a video game. So with virtual okay. reality, and that's what our, our initial partner was through a, a video gamer. So they create these you know, gaming worlds, and we just created the world to be a construction site. Mm 
Okay. So two different areas typical to a project site. And it is, it's just like a game. So they're walking through and doing these different activities. So you see people run over. I saw the simulation, yeah. the video, mm-hmm. you know, you saw the, the different, um, the tools falling from a height and actually that, stopped the mid range in air and calculated, that, you know, 0.8 pounds, but dropped it a high, a, a very high um, uh, altitude, yeah. you know, could and then, freak a lot of damage. So that was just little snippets of the actual whole video. So typically with a project, you have a PowerPoint, you have safety training, right. PowerPoint. Usually the trainer is very good at telling stories and it gets the, the audience and the, the trainees involved and stuff, an emotional side to it. Right. But with the environment, it's completely different for each person because they're seeing and they're looking and they're interacting in the way they, they want to react. So it's very different. You get the feedback from these you know, the various different people. Yeah, putting on the headsets, it's a very immersive experience. Yeah. I mean, you really, you've lost track of anything else. You're completely focused on that environment. Whereas you, know, you attend safety trainings, it's easy to multitask. You might check your phone, you might do something else. Yeah. You're not you're not locked in with all your senses. No, exactly. And then, you know, with everybody's using big, large screens, you see it, it says, this is great, this is nice. And you kind of look at the, the pictures and the things moving around. But as soon as you put the headset on, it's you're in your own world. And you're completely immersed. And it. it's very, very different. Uh, sensory, it's not sensory overload, but it's, it's really interesting how you completely, just with a snap of a finger, you're in that world. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me, uh, you, you're describing that, that sort of first-time experience of, of a new person being out on a job site, mm-hmm. and it reminds me of if you ever walk into a, a casino in Vegas, and you've got all the lights and the and the buzzers, and I don't. I mean, but my whole like world becomes like this big. Total sensory yeah, overload. Total sensory overload. Yeah. It's just, it's similar, you know, on a job site. Exactly. So, so I, I can imagine that giving giving them a chance to to kind of dry run, yeah. you know, repeatedly that that environment, it may help them kind of open their open their field of vision become, up to more three sixty. And you become complacent. Now that's the last yeah. thing you want. You know, you're doing the same thing every day. Things change, but you become complacent and you miss certain things. And that's why we do safety walks on project sites and you have management and you have the craft and you get them involved. But now you're in this controlled environment where you could throw so many different things out. You can have a fire over here or somebody falling down here or a flood over here or a thunderstorm. And you go through the scenarios and say, how would you react? And then you could really test from our traditional training, what's your response? And then now you got a simulated environment and then you go through the training and see, okay, now how do you respond? So you could go back and go back and retrain and, and see how effective it is. So, so what are the results? What are you, what are you seeing from your initial deployment? So with, I mentioned that we, we set this up on our uh, craft training center. So it's a six month or it's, I forget the length of it, but they go through all of these different um, activities right. and industries that introduces them to um, the craft. So, they actually, every the instructors, the students, because they haven't been to an actual project site. So it was a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of humor, but they learned a lot. So, okay, I'm not, when I am working at heights, I have to make sure that I look at tow boards because things could be kicked off and falling. I have to make sure I tie off. And then part of the simulation is you're going around the platform and taking the photos. So they get them aware of what potentially is out there. So it exposes them immediately to stuff that it may take months and months of just working out. To, to run into these incidents. So it, expo- it just ex- escalates and, and uh, speeds up all the training. So this is all very fascinating, really interesting work. I'm really curious as to how an organization can then use the lessons learned from your research in the whole implementation process if they wanted to now do what, what all of your organizations have described, Black and Beach, Zachary and Floor. I think the key lesson is be intentional about the use case that you want implemented. Uh, that's going to drive 
the software, the hardware, the functions that you're going to be implementing. And that way you're going to develop a much more efficient process at the corporate level that you can roll back in, into all of your projects. So selecting those use cases and understanding what the actual need is in your organization is probably the best thing to do early on. Absolutely. So that is definitely all these technologies are designed to support the current work practice. So if they have a technology that doesn't meet the need, they're not going to utilize it. So everything that we do is to, to solve or to support a current issue, a current problem. So that's definitely right on. Absolutely. And are there any concerns that people have? I think one of the issues that came up was privacy and, and how these platforms operate. Yes. Well, Todd, if you want to talk a little bit more sure. about that. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, the question I think was uh, basically IT security. Um, and the the truth is a lot of the, the like the services that we're using uh, for that are uh, more cloud-based for the multi-user experiences, they're all using uh, basically the same, you know, end-to-end -end type encryption type software that your banks or other other type of services like a, like a Dropbox or a Box or those type of services actually you're using, um, and so they, they are very secure. And then for the type of uh, uh, applications that we actually created within the research project, it was more standalone, and so it was just hooking and from playing it back from the computer you're using to the VR headset. Yeah, if you think about some of the security issues in general, um, a lot of these uh, apps or um, just devices in general um, are kind of standalone-ish out in the field, right? Because right. you don't really have that connectivity, even though we're starting to modernize our construction sites and you're getting connectivity all over the place. Right. Well, most of the stuff you needed to be able to process without having that connectivity and you're not really worried about having that um, send it across, you know, networks mm -hmm. and everything like that. It's just, let's just right. store it locally. And as soon as we get back to a base station, we'll just upload it in sync, right? Okay. So therefore, when you go back and do that, then you're going through your normal IT security issues and everything like that. So is your phone hack proof as well? Or do you need to make sure that your phone has some kind of security platform in, uh, installed? Uh, it's it? usually run through your IT, like mm -hmm. for us, if you have right. a mobile device, it's always going to be um, through your IT first to make sure that they have the infrastructure set up prior to even dishing out an iPad or an okay. iPhone or an Android phone or anything kind of, or Android tablet. Right. Uh, it's just like you don't want to send an unsecure device out right. on the site. Right. And it's way set up. If you do lose it, they have the, the uh, technology to go in and flash it. Yeah. So it erases okay. the, yep. the memory and erases right. everything. Okay. So that eliminates a lot of the challenges we normally run into with even getting like a project team all on the same file sharing software because that's right. all cloud-based, yeah. right? So yeah. like you kind of cutting that step out of it and making it a little bit smoother for the IT folks. Yep. Cool. Great. Uh, Fernando, is there anything else that you wanted to add about uh, accessing information or research or perhaps even reaching out to you for additional information? Um, sure. So, so the report um, of the VR team is available right now for download, both at the CII conference app and also through the CII's knowledge base. So, okay. uh, any CII members can can download the the report. Uh, and and there's a lot more detail in there. But feel free to also reach out to me, um, Fernanda Leitchi, L E I T E, at utexas.edu. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was a very informative uh, discussion today and look forward to having you back on another date. Thank Thanks you. For Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to the Built Revolution pod brought to you by Continuum Advisory Group and the Construction Industry Institute. 
Continue the conversation on Twitter at Built Revolution Pod or email us at hello at builtrevolutionpod.com. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals being interviewed, and they do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsoring organizations.